chapter twenty three of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain a swan song when they picked him up lazarus was dead killed as the doctor said the inevitable doctor who had suddenly appeared upon the scene in half a dozen places it was well for him and well for the world that he was dead sooner or later anyhow some decent soul would have been put to the labour of killing him bianchi still lived lazarus had fallen underneath it was owing to that fact or to some freak of fortune that the organist owed his life he was broken to pieces a bundle of fractures but the breath was yet in his body and they kept it there though he was never again to be the man he was before had it not been for the janitor's reiterated assurance that the chamber's tenant had brought a young lady in with him and that she had not gone out again those who had come in search of maud might have taken it for granted that her abductor had secreted her in some other hiding-place and had left her to her fate as it was they ransacked every nook and cranny turned out the contents of the huge wooden box in vain and it was only when in accordance with someone's suggestion that there might be a false bottom to the chest the box itself was lifted that some sharp eye perceived that the flooring underneath had been tampered with then very quickly the truth was learned they found her crammed between the joists in that moment had lazarus been alive and within reach of some of those who were present in that upper room he would still have been very near death's door he had done his work as thoroughly as he supposed all the medical skill in europe was summoned to her aid without result the empiric triumphed the profession was at fault as lazarus had put it he had taken the life right out of her and not all the doctors of all the schools could put it back again as was to be expected opinions were divided one great doctor said this another great man ventured to surmise that a third agreed with neither the net result remained the same the girl so lately in the first full flush of her youth and health and strength and beauty all alert with kindling ambitions glowing with the hot mercurial blood which coursed restlessly in her veins now lay stiff and stark and yet not cold for she was not dead though to all intents and purposes she might have been she neither moved nor breathed nor spoke nor did any of those things which we associate with life and yet she lived her condition was described by learned men in learned words each said being apt to have their own particular formula but the common sense of it seemed to amount to this that she was in some sort of trance from which all their arts were insufficient to draw her out and she faded visibly 
before their eyes so much was clear one bold man went so far as to say that she was dying while they looked on not knowing what it was she was dying of unable to do anything to stay her advance towards the grave this man was french a leading light of the hospital of la salpetriere in paris where they make a peculiar study of certain esoteric conditions of the human frame especially as they are to be found in females this man taking to himself a corner of the prophet's mantle foretold that as she drew near death she would return as it were of her own volition to the portals of life that is to consciousness and what he said proved true madeline through all those weary days and nights watched almost continually by maud's bedside her remorse was pitiful to witness she declared that the guilt of this innocent blood was on her head that if it had not been for her offence maud would never have been in such a plight and she implored them that they would allow her to some extent to expiate her sin by doing all that in her lay to win back for the girl something of that which she had lost to this petition they acceded willingly enough the more particularly since it was soon made plain that had they searched the whole world over they could not have found one more skilled or more assiduous a nurse more to the manner born so a bed was made up for her near maud's and in that room she practically lived worked watched waited prayed how she prayed pouring out her heart's blood in supplications to the god one of whose chief attributes she had always been taught was mercy and at last it seemed that her prayer was answered in a measure one morning between the dawn and the daylight she knelt beside maud's bed and watched and prayed she prayed that god's hand might be stretched forth so that the girl who lay so silent on that splendid bed might be quickened into life and behold even while the petition fluttered towards the presence chamber maud moved for the first time during all those weeks madeline was so startled the instant answer to her prayer seemed to speak with supernatural force of the nearness of omnipotence that for the instant she lost her presence of mind the movement was but slight yet it was sufficient maud turned her head a little to one side and to her inexpressible amazement madeline perceived that her eyes were open and that she was regarding her with what appeared to be the light of reason there was silence during the space of about a minute as if each was realizing the overwhelming strangeness of the position then maud said very faintly yet with perfect clearness i thought that i was in heaven and that god came and touched me on the throat madeline was bewildered her whole being still occupied by the sensation of surprise she could but murmur the other's name maud the response came quickly sister such a mode of address from those lips at that time made madeline's heart leap within her bosom and blinded her eyes with tears her face fell forward on to the coverlet she had to let it fall for a while only her sobs were heard then there came the question from the bed why do you cry 
madeline lifted her face her eyes streaming her voice all broken i i am so glad to hear you speak to me again like that are you are you better yes i am better i'm dying dying the words stuck in madeline's throat there was something in the tone of maud's voice in the expression of her face which made it impossible to contradict her the girl went on do you remember my telling you that i wanted to use my voice to the glory of god well i'm going to among the choirs of angels madeline was still the revulsion of feeling was almost more than her strength could bear her expectations had been raised so high in a moment to be dashed so low she felt that what the girl said was true she was becoming possessed by a profound conviction that already the angel of death was hovering near regardless of madeline's silence or of what it might mean maud continued talking in a strain which tried her listener to breaking point it breathed a spirit which was so contrary to what she felt were her deserts you'll have to take my place when i am gone for good it will be for good for better not worse you'll have to be me a better me i shan't be missed except that people seeing you will stare to see how much i have improved you'll have all my virtues without my vices you'll be just the daughter of the house the house is wanting in which i never could have been possessed of all my beauty and all these other good qualities in which i've been lacking sister won't you madeline was silent speechless help to get my hand out from between these sheets i want to feel yours clasped in mine the request pointed to a degree of weakness which appealed to madeline on her practical side the hand which she hoped to bring from beneath the bedclothes was wasted white and worn small as a little child's it closed on hers with a gentle pressure which seemed hardly to speak of earth and as it did so the door was opened the earl of staines came in he had about him a dishevelled look suggesting a sudden rising from bed a hasty putting on of his clothes maud greeted him with a faint smile as if she had been expecting him i thought that you would come she said the earl glanced around him as if bewildered then from one girl to the other recognizing maud's condition with a start of amazement maud an access of confusion seemed to overwhelm him i-i beg your pardon but i-i thought i heard someone calling me yes it was god god he echoed her blankly having no notion of what she meant his wound had healed but he still bore about him traces of suffering both physical and mental he looked an older man than he ought to have done she went on in the same almost unnaturally quiet voice her enunciation being so clear that every syllable was audible i am dying and god has called you out of sleep and sent you to me so that i can speak to you before i go while we three are still alone dying maud you are dreaming no i have been dreaming but i am not now i am wide awake and can see and know i am going to where my voice will be of use and i am leaving her to you with a glance she signified that the reverence was to madeline maud i want you to promise me that she shall be your wife if love can win her 
i promise you she shall he spoke coarsely as if he had to put pressure on himself to enable himself to speak at all she turned to madeline i want you to promise too again madeline's face was hidden in the coverlet her vehement sobs threatening to choke her maud maud don't speak like that don't think of what i am nothing and worse than nothing think of what i've done if it hadn't been for me you would not be lying there all would be well maud checked her with a slight movement of her hand there was in her voice a touch of the old quizzical humour hush all is well with me and will soon be better don't you love him sister maud maud the girl addressed her cousin you hear that is her answer i will give you its interpretation her love for you is such that she has not speech enough to tell you of its greatness come give me your hand she raised her own hand from madeline's with a degree of care and expenditure of time which suggested that it was a by no means easy thing to do she jested at this evidence of her debility you see how strong i am her attenuated fingers closed with a little playful pressure on his sinewy palm well staines good day to you god's in his heaven all's well with the world she made a small grimace i'm afraid i've only one hand under control madeline raise yours directly there staines take it in yours you love each other i believe you were made for each other i bid you marry in the name of god they were still the earl held madeline's hand tightly pressed in his presently he stooped and kissed it maud smiled bravo staines well done later she expressed a wish to be taken to what she called her haven of refuge by which she meant the secret chamber her seclusion in which had been the cause of all the complications by this time a small host of doctors had been summoned on the scene it was their unanimous opinion that since she was drifting from time into eternity and that nothing would be likely to materially retard or expedite her progress it would be just as well to gratify any wish she might express so far as it was possible so they placed her in a chair built her up in it with cushions and bore her into the adjacent chamber her own room with its gorgeous scheme of colour there they set the chair upon the floor and under her specific instructions manipulated the springs which gave access to her hiding-place since it was impossible to force any sort of chair up the narrow stairway staines carried her up bodily in his arms to the chamber above there she startled them with a fresh request i want you to leave me all of you i want to be left alone in my haven of refuge from the world to be left alone as i've always loved to be some of the doctors still remained again they were consulted they shrugged their shoulders implied that it did not matter nothing mattered so long as help was close at hand in case it might be needed and an eye was kept on what took place it was only another whim of hers which might as well be gratified so they left her in the great curious chamber all alone seated in a huge armchair which had originally been conveyed up there she alone knew how packed up in it as comfortable as if she had been in bed the trap-door which led into the room itself was kept open without saying anything to her and possibly without her cognizance and crammed together on the narrow stairway madeline the earl and one of the doctors remained on guard probably again without her knowing they were there and before long a strange thing happened 
she had been very still and perhaps judging from the silence had remained seated motionless in her chair dreaming dreams living through the past once more drinking in details each of which carried to her brain its own particular significance of the hiding-place she loved so dearly and for whose existence she had paid so much madeline pictured to herself the girl's rapt glances travelling round and round that queer archaic chamber and the little tremblement of the lip each time they lighted on some one or other of her more cherished treasures and was wondering if it was right to leave her any longer in that perfect silence silence which might mean so much when there fell on her ears the sound of a song maud was singing it was so unexpected and the thoughts of each one of the listening trio had been so occupied with other themes that for a moment it seemed as if the thing was supernatural as if instinctively they drew even closer together if that were possible and held their breath in a kind of awe in that closing hour there had come back to her the gift which in her strange waywardness she had valued above all else above wealth and rank and beauty and even human love the gift of song come back to her in undiminished splendour for strangely enough while her speaking voice had grown so weak and faint her singing voice had all its old range and strength and tone its marvellous timbre it was like an organ pealing jesus lover of my soul let me to thy bosom fly while the gathering waters roll while the tempest still is high of all the songs in the world she had chosen to sing the hymn with which she had illustrated with such fatal effect her transcendent gift to lazarus when already he had her in his toils probably her choice was guided by the consciousness of its appropriateness at that the supreme moment of her life beyond doubt it was a song she loved to them huddled together on the stairway it was as if it were an angel singing she poured forth such a wealth of celestial harmony with such rapturous emotion and such an ecstasy of joy she sang it right to an end the concluding words ringing out as it seemed to them in a triumphant burst of melody which was beyond and above all that had gone before thou of life the fountain art freely let me take of thee spring thou up within my heart rise to all eternity and then was still presently urged by the doctor madeline went up to see what was happening with a cry she climbed into the room the others pressing after her maud was dead asleep in the eternal arms she was on the floor in front of her chair it seemed as if she had stood up to sing holding out her hands perhaps to meet the advancing angel who when he had removed her spirit laid her body softly down she seemed a tired happy child at rest she could hardly have sounded a better advance note or sent it pealing with a more glorious sweetness into the very courts of heaven it promised an efficient recruit to the angel choir End of chapter 23